Well, good morning. Good to see each one of you. You know, I love, I love all the songs, but I especially love that last one because it just really brings me into the presence of God. Amen? You know, when you speak the name of Jesus, you bring the presence of God into your presence. And there's nothing in your life that can't be really improved without the presence of God. So when we started the church, we came across a verse about the fame of God. It's found in Joshua 9 and other places. I'm going to show you those. But it was about how his fame would spread because of his great acts and what he had done. And so we're going to talk today about making Jesus famous. I said that to people, and they say he's already famous. I said, no, there are people that don't even know his name. There are others who curse his name, use his name in vain, but it's our job to lift up the name of Jesus above every name. The Bible says one day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Will you do it now or will you do it in eternity when it's too late if you don't know him? So we want to lift up the name of Jesus. In Psalm chapter 135 and verse 13, it says, Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. You see, lifting up God's name, lifting up Jesus, is a generational responsibility. You know, we look what happened in Texas at the school, and it's a tragedy beyond, beyond words. And everyone's trying to figure out what the problem is. Was he not mentally sound? Were the gun laws the problem? No one seems to want to tell you what the problem is. It's pretty simple. We pulled God out of society. He's now a second generation who did not have the influence of God, prayer, or the Pledge of Allegiance in his own life. He was lonely. He lacked community. And it was all the right ingredients for a disaster. What we need to remember is that you can't take God out of your life in any way and your life get better. Your life will get worse to the degree that you take God out of your life. Your schools, your community, your society, take God out and see what you get. You get total chaos. So it is a generational responsibility that you and I have to lift up the name of Jesus. Joshua chapter nine and verse nine it says that we have heard of God's fame. What draw these, these people into the covenant of God was they heard of the great acts of God, what God was doing in history. You see, you have to tell the acts of God, tell what God has done. You know, we took communion now, but it's really based on the Passover when God delivered Israel out of the land of Egypt. And with the blood over the doorpost, the death angel passed over so that they would not die as others. And you see, when you apply the blood of Jesus to your life, you do not die as others without Christ. You are saved, and you are safe in the kingdom of Almighty God. In Mark chapter 1, in verse 28, it says, Immediately his fame, that is Jesus, spread. What happened? He delivered a man from an evil spirit, and all of a sudden, everyone said, who is this? By what authority does he do this? That even the demons 
know his name and respond. And his fame began to spread. People began to talk about Jesus and what he did. In Matthew chapter four and verse 24, it says his fame went throughout all of Syria. You know, one of my favorite quotes, and I've used it often because it really is a centerpiece for what I believe we are to do as a church. It goes like this. I simply say, the cross must be raised again at the center of the marketplace as well as the steeple of the church. I'm claiming that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on the town garbage heap, at the crossroads so cosmopolitan they had to write his title in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, at the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that is where he died and that is what he died about and that is where churchmen ought to be and what churchmen ought to be about. Amen? You see, our message is not a message just for inside the wall. Our message is really a message for the world. It's out there. It's where you work. It's where you go to school. You say, well, people don't want to listen. So? Do they ever stop talking about their junk because you don't want to listen? You sit there and listen and because you think being a Christian means being a doormat for society's ills. But what you have to do is you have to understand that you have authority in Jesus Christ. You're a son or a daughter of the living God, and God has given you authority, power, and he's given you his Holy Spirit that you might speak forth his praises in all generations and make his name great. Amen? Amen. Influence Church mission is this, to influence the world, spread God's fame, that many may believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. It's really simple. Make Jesus famous and everything is gonna get better in life. It's so amazing when you see people come to faith in Christ and they'll say something like this. They'll say, I, how come I think different? How come I see life different? What happened? What, what is going on here? I remember I was at a high school union and my best buddy I played uh, football with and he's a dentist now and he was, he was behind me and I was getting my food off some salad bar and he was getting his and he, he just stopped and grabbed my arm and he goes, what happened to you? And I go, I don't know, what, is something wrong? He said, you're just not the same guy. And I said, well, you know, the Bible does say that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I am a new person. Pray for my buddy Jim. He's still struggling with becoming a Christian, even though I've witnessed to him all these years. You see, because the, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers to key the, keep them from seeing the true light of the gospel, the glory of God. And it's your job and my job to proclaim truth that the blinders get taken off so that people can respond and be set free from that bondage. I want to talk to you about some different kinds of fame. The first one is generational fame. Generational fame. Psalm 135, verse 13. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. See, whether you speak his name or not, his name endures forever. And his name speaks of his character and his attributes and who he is as God, a very God. And it says, your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. This is our responsibility. His name is going to endure forever and ever with us or without us. But generationally, we are responsible to lift up the name of God. 
Look at Psalm 145 and verse four. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You know, the Bible says that when you sit down with your child and you begin to share with them communion, Passover, you tell them when they ask the question, what does this mean? And you tell them what God did. The Bible says you're to take your children when they're little, when they rise up, and when they go to sleep, and throughout the day, you're to proclaim God, pour God into their life. What if they don't want to hear it? Pour God into their life. What if they, what if they turn away? Pour God into their life. It's just got to be like sticky syrup on the floor. <laughs> Have you ever had that? We had the grandkids over, and, and uh, they got something sticky on the floor. And I walk by, and I, I'm going, what is going on here? And I get the paper towel, the wet paper towel, and I wipe it up, and I think I'm safe, and I come back, and it's still sticky. You need a dog, don't you? I mean, everybody, this is the, I finally figured out the purpose of a dog. But why don't you become like sticky syrup in society? Every time they get somewhere, they just step in it and go, whoa, I stepped in it. What is that? That's Jesus. You just stepped in some Jesus. And it's sticky and it. you can't get it off your foot. You see, once you begin to speak the name of Jesus in somebody, it's hard for them to get, them, get it out of their head. I want to give you a little experiment here. Don't think about Jesus right now. How you doing? Right? You're going to think about Jesus. You say, well, you, you, and how about a little song? I start to sing a little song. And apart from my ability to, to not sing, if that melody's right, it's going to stay with you. What we want to do is get that name of Jesus out there. You know, our good friend, uh, Sean Foyt, he's been here and led worship many times, and Jay Koopman. Jay, you're over here on the front row. Stand up, Jay. These guys have, have been in about 170 cities over the last year and a half with Let Us Worship, and we're going to have the film here, the premiere film, on Wednesday, Super Spreader. How do you like that for a provocative title? Amen. We want you to come be a part of it. You can go out in the lobby. You can get information about that. But for those of you who don't know, I want to give you a little clip of what that movie's all about. Watch the screens. Breaking news. Stay at home. That is the order tonight as the coronavirus pandemic spreads. We need to bend the curve in the state of California. Social distancing works. Stay home save lives. Your actions can affect my health. It's critically important that everyone follows the orders that we are given. The governor of California came out with a new set of restrictions. One of those restrictions was you can no longer sing in church anymore. Period. Full stop. And I remember when he said that and I heard that, I was like, <laughs> okay, it's on. More than 50,000 Americans have now died from this virus. Christian singer and activist Sean Foyt leading what's called Let Us Worship. He called it a worship protest. The organizers used the pretense of religion, and that simply was not right. If Jesus were here right now, he absolutely would wear a mask. Meanwhile, suicide rates are exploding. Drug and alcohol use is ravaging America. Rioting and, and destruction and unrest and there's no church to bring the hope. I get a letter from the city prosecutor saying that you're violating the CDC requirement. We reserve the right to arrest your church members. Every thought I had was I wanted to end it. That's scary. If you've observed recurring violations of the safer at home order, in this case, snitches get 
rewards. It's wild that this is happening in America, and it's wild that people are okay with it. There was a, a man that we met. He grew up in the communist country. He grabbed my hands and he said, all the things that are happening right now is how it began for us. America needs to wake up. You have to wake them up. Now that is where communism and Christianity have a headlong clash. How close is Christian nationalism to white nationalism? It is close. There are things happening today that are pushing people to a second American revolution. Christians are rising up, I'm telling you guys. This guy is probably responsible for hundreds of deaths. The people like Sean are saying about what God says, oftentimes it's false. You are not a Christian! There's a pandemic, there's a plague, Here's a move of God that's going to change America. All right. Well, we hope you can come on Wednesday night, uh, 6.30, and uh, get here on time, and we're going to enjoy this together and be encouraged. You know, it's interesting that Bill Gates came out with a video on Twitter about two weeks ago, and he said, you know, we were all wrong about this COVID. Turns out it was just a flu that really only affected certain people. After economies have been destroyed, children's lives and education have been set back, and it was a mistake. You know, we're in a battle. The battle is not new. The battle started in the Garden of Eden. Started in the garden when Satan said to Eve, has God said, and questioned whether or not God really speaks today. And then he said, God knows the day that you eat of it, you will be like him. You will be gods. Don't you want to be a god? You see, whenever you, whenever you push God out of the centerpiece of your life, then you become your own god. And society apart from God is a disaster. But I got good news for you. We got a room full of people here. We've got people watching online and people outside that all want to lift up the name of Jesus. Am I right? Amen. Let's lift his name up. There's another kind of fame. It's called marketplace fame. Look at Joshua chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. You work in the marketplace. You live in the marketplace. And I want you to know that we are in the marketplace. Look what it says. Who are you and where are you, did you come from? They asked this group of people. And they said, from a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. You see, when God began to move in the wilderness, there were people from other tribes that began to join in. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, but Caleb, remember Joshua and Caleb? Caleb was not a Jew. Caleb was a Gentile. He came from a, a group of Kenites. His, that was his tribe. But his father somehow was impressed by the God of Israel in Egypt, raised his son, and put blood on the doorpost that that generation might be saved, and gave us Caleb and Joshua who spied out the land. Think about that. You see, God loves to work through difficult situations. Have you ever noticed there's never a miracle unless there first was a problem? Does God just randomly throw miracles? Hey, I know you don't need anything, 
I'm just gonna throw you a miracle. He responds to a problem. When you see great moves of God in history, they never happen when all is well. They happen in those tense moments, those challenging times in your life. When you see God move in your life, it happens when you get hungry for God. How many of you are hungry for God today, amen? You gotta be hungry for God. You ever gotten really hungry? You ever gotten really hungry in church for food? And you couldn't wait for the preacher to quit? You ever had that moment? It's okay to confess. Raise your hand. You ever been hungry? How many of you are hungry now? All right, well, we're going to be done in an hour or so, so don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. But you know that feeling is just like all I can think about is pancakes, eggs, and bacon. For you vegans, I don't know, couscous or something. I don't know what it is. What do you eat? But God says, I want you to get hungry for me. Like the deer pants after the water brook, the psalm said. So my heart pants after you, O God. When can I stand before your face? My tears have been my only food both day and night. That's the kind of hunger God wants us to have, amen? Have a hunger for God. Look at Mark chapter one and verse 28. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region of Galilee. You see, when Jesus began to move, they began to talk about him. And they were talking the marketplace. They were talking out there at the, at the places of commerce. They were talking about Jesus. You know, a little over a year ago, we started something called American Face. Some of you are familiar with it. Uh, some of you have, are, have deeply invested in it, and I want you to know God is really doing some great stuff. We might have a screenshot of the, of the homepage there. If not, we'll just keep moving. There it is. And I want you to know what happened. We started this for one reason. I didn't know what else to do. I was so frustrated with the government, with the governor. I said, I don't know even know what to do. I don't even know if this is a good idea, if this will work. But I'm gonna do something. You know, sometimes your way of doing something is better than somebody else's way of doing nothing. Amen? Just do something. My dad, I was watching my dad work one time. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching you. He said, look, just go do something, even if it's dumb, but don't just stand there. Does this explain me now? So we started, we said, we don't even know where this thing is going, but I want to give you a couple of report, reports right now. So we have about 3 million monthly views on our website and newsletter. We have, amen, that's something to... I mean, that's starting with nothing and not even wanting to do it. We have 80,000 daily subscribers. Just in April, we had 60,000. We're up 20,000 in just about a month. So somehow we're, we're connecting with people. I met this guy. He's, he's about as country as you get from Texas. And I just met him about a week ago. And I was so impressed with what he's doing because he has no background in advertising. He has no background in marketing. He doesn't do it for his business, but his wife and he were talking one day and they said, we need to do something. And she said, why don't we get a billboard and why don't we just put up something about truth and America and God and put it on that billboard. And it was gonna cost $300. So they didn't have a lot of money, but they got the $300 together and then they said, let's do some more. Now I think they have billboards in almost every state in America. And so I met him, and, and I said, 
He said, I got a billboard on Times Square. I said, what? Yeah, I got a billboard in Times Square. I said, I, how did you get that? He said, well, I called this guy up. I just kept calling, kept calling. And sooner or later, I got a hold of this guy. And he said, yeah, I, I, I'm conservative, and I'll, I'll put up any message. I just, nobody ever approaches me for a billboard in Times Square. Think about that. The most visible place for advertising in probably the world is Times Square. There's, not even, there's nothing bigger, right? And I said, I'd like one of those billboards. <laughs> so let me show you what it looks like. We photoshopped it in there just so you get a feel for it. Okay, now that is Broadway facing, Times Square. They, they estimate 340,000 people see that every day, every day. So I said, what, what does this normally cost? We got a set, you see the second one up there? Doesn't that look good? He said, it's typically about 50,000 a week. I said, that's a little over my budget. I said, what can you do for me? He said, well, he's given me a really good deal, and I'm going to pass it on to you. And I said, what, what can you do for me? So here's what he's going to do. We're going to have a billboard. In t- we, will, we may have a billboard in, in Times Square. It really depends on you. Here's what, here's what it came down to. In the month of June, the month of July, and the month of, month of August, two weeks each of those months, so six weeks, 100 times a day, that image will flash up there. 700 times a week, estimate 340,000 people per day will see it. I really believe this is an opportunity God gave us. It's just too crazy. See, God's doing something in the marketplace. Whether it's, whether it's let us worship out there hitting the streets or whether it's American faith, feeding news you can trust to people, it's the way God gets things done today. And we really believe, I'm, I've become friends with Chris Ruddy, who, who owns and is the CEO of, of Newsmax, and I told him what our numbers were last year. And he said, Phil, I, we have 25 million a month, and I have 34 full-time writers. And you have 3 million, and you have, at that time, I had one writer, and we have three. He said, you're going to pass Newsmax in five years. See, See, and this is all about God. There is, I mean, this is like Fox News without woke. Right? So here's what I need. He said, I can give you all those six weeks for $30,000. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I need it by June 1st, which I know is Tuesday. I'm very, or maybe that's Monday. No, it's Tuesday, right? Or Wednesday. Wednesday, I got an extra day. I'm feeling good about myself now. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to really dig deep, pray about this, and you can go right on the app and you can give to American Faith. And we want to get those billboards up. We've already got people said, if you get the billboard up, we're going to New York. We're going to be there and take pictures of it. We want to see it in action. Amen? Amen. I just want, you know, I, I just think we don't get many chances to affect society. We don't get any many, many chances to make a, make a difference. You know, I don't know if we can pull that website back up. I want to show you something. So this is a website that 3 million people a month are going to, right? Now, let's just look at this. Can we pull the web up or not? All right, now just scroll down a little bit. 
Or is that a screenshot? It's not moving, so it's a screenshot. Can you screenshot a little bit lower? There you go. Can you screenshot one more notch lower? Patience is a virtue. Right? Amen? Okay, it's coming. All right, I'd like to get this today. If we can't do it, I understand. I've asked a lot. They weren't prepared for this. But if you scroll down, oh, maybe we got it now. We got it live. Okay, check this out. Now, okay, scroll down and look over here on the right-hand side. So 3 million people every month get access to the sermons we preach right here. Also, the podcast that we have on Battleground. So this is not just news. You say, well, isn't it, isn't it just news? No, it's news, but it's from a Christian worldview. You know, what a, you know what a biblical worldview is? It starts with God is the creator God of the universe. It starts with the word of God is true and accurate in every dimension. That the only explanation that we're, where we are is where we came from was God. What went wrong is sin, and the only way to fix the problem is redemption. That's a biblical worldview. They just did a study, and they said, Barna did a study. They found that only 37% of the pastors in America have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? That means they don't believe God created. means they don't believe the Bible is true. Do you realize how unique it is to be in a church that has that worldview? Only 37% of the, of the pastors in America have that view. And when you go down to lower staff members uh, on the scale there, it's even less. So we're gonna make a difference. You can text me, say, Pastor, I'm good for 30,000. I'd like to do it for six months. And just whatever you wanna do. I, you know, I throw that out in there. People laugh. I say, don't laugh. Just because you can't do 30,000 doesn't mean you can't do 300. Amen. So let's just do it for God and, and, and the glory of God. Amen? Now, third kind of fame. Third kind of fame is supernatural fame. Supernatural fame. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. Then his fame went out through all of Syria. You imagine, there, there's no mobile phones. There's no internet. There's no television. There's no radio. There's no podcast. And all of Syria is hearing about Jesus. How did they hear about Jesus? From you? People like you. They just started talking about you. Have you heard what Jesus is doing? You know what Jesus is doing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen? All right. All of Syria, they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. That's a supernatural work of God. That's what we want to see happen. Amen? It's not just, it's not just going out there and, and worshiping. It's not just providing news. It's saying, you know what? We want to see a move of God. We need a move of God in our nation like never before. We need to pray the God of heaven. It says, if, if my people are called by name, will humble themselves and repent, turn from their sins, I will hear from heaven. And what will he do? You know the word? Heal their land. You know what's wrong with the land? The land is cursed right now by sin. And we need to bring back righteousness and let righteousness rise up from the ground. Amen? You know, one of the supernatural things, it's just, it's amazing how this has come together. 
But we have a team that just landed in uh, Romania. They're going into the Ukraine. I want to show you a map of where they're going. This is their route. And uh, you'll get to see a little bit here. This is all in uh, a different language, have you noticed? And, uh, but they're going to arrive down here in Romania. They're already there. And then they're going to drive up to Kiev and then up to Chernobyl. And one of the things that we were able to do, we were able to buy the church there in Romania a van so that they can use it for ministry and then we can use it to haul stuff when we get there. So we were able to raise $30,000 for a van and it's on its way. Amen? Not only that, we've got multiple shipping containers going in. And then I wanna show you the guys. Look at these guys. These guys are not woke. Amen? These are the real deal. They look pretty good. They just flew 18 hours, but they look pretty good, don't they? They took as much stuff as they could in. I think there's 12 uh, battle-level uh, backpacks for, for uh, medical backpacks so they can go in there and help. And They've got body armor. So many of the people there, they're going in. They, they can't even drive transport things back and forth without shrapnel and bullets hitting them. So we've, we've provided body armor. I want you to know, we don't just do something here in Anaheim. Not just something in the United States. We're around the world, amen? Around the world, spreading the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ. When I was, uh, I'd been saved just a little while. I was, sitting, I was a college student. I was sitting in, in church, and the preacher got up and he read this verse. And this verse changed my life. It, it says here that in Romans chapter 1, he said, I am a debtor, in verse 15, he said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the Jews. In other words, Paul said, you know, I owe a debt because God saved me. I owe a debt. And I got to pay that debt. Have you ever thought about that? that I, I want to do everything I can for God because I'm a debtor to God. And then it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. See, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says the gospel is the power to bring you unto salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from sin. A lot of times I'm talking to guys that say, well, you know, the Bible says all have sinned. And they say, well, I haven't sinned. I said, really? They say, no, I keep the Ten Commandments. I said, well, you've already broken one. You already lied to me. You realize by the time you discover the Ten Commandments, you've already broke a, a couple of them? They were never meant to bring you to salvation. The, set, the Ten Commandments were a mirror that you looked into and re, 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 Realize that you were not right with God, that you had problems. But it was always the grace and the mercy of God that brought us unto salvation in the Old Testament and New Testament. So when you look in the mirror and you go like, and I'll say, I said, well, I've never sinned. I said, well, have you ever lied? Well, yeah, but everybody lies. Well, that's a sin. Really? Yeah. But guess what? I got good news. That sin and all the other ones you won't tell me, they're all under the blood when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? 
I mean, I don't think of anything. What can be better than knowing you're right with God? Can anything be better than that? I mean, you can, you can go anywhere you go and you can talk to God because his spirit is in you. You can face anything in life and you know he's with you. You can face your last breath in life and you know that you're gonna be with him. That's pretty comforting. That's pretty good news, amen? Good news. I want you to stand with me and I want you to pray with me right now. I wanna ask you to pray this prayer of salvation with me. I'm gonna pray it out loud and as you pray this prayer, if you pray this in faith, I want you to know that God will do exactly what he said. He will save your eternal soul. He will write your name in, his le- in the book of life. He will give you hope and joy. Oh, you'll still have some problems because you're still human. But you still have, you'll have the confidence of knowing God. Prayer goes like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, just pray it out loud with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross were buried in a tomb, rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, write my name in the book of life. Now, if that was your prayer in your own words, right where you stand or sit, just thank him. Just thank him for saving your soul right now. Just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, as you walk with God, as you, as you follow after God, you press hard into God, know that God is gonna be with you wherever you go. If that was your prayer today, just raise your hand and just tell God with your hand, God, I, I, I receive Christ today, amen. God bless you. Anybody else, God bless you. God bless you. Now, you know what you need? You need some old-fashioned courage, amen? Just say, I'm gonna be bold with my faith, you know? You say, well, isn't it hard? Sure. Are you ever intimidated? Absolutely. I just let my courage get in front of my intimidation. That's all. What are they going to do? You know? What are you going to do? Don't like my message? I don't like your message. Right? Amen? Amen.